right. Amen. Again, good morning to all of you. Um, hey, so who's been, um, I know we are a church that dreams. So if you've been dreaming this month, raise your hand. If you've been dreaming a lot this month. Raise your hand high so I can see all the hands of people who've been dreaming this month. Okay, that's awesome. Um, sometimes we dream things that are just things from our own head. And sometimes we get dreams from heaven, prophetic dreams. How many have been dreaming prophetic dreams? High, your head high. How many people have been dreaming just dreams from your head? Okay, yeah. So what happens is when you're um, dreaming prophetically, the flesh and the devil tries to come in to throw off your, your sense, we say sense of equilibrium, but throw off your, your sense so you can confuse. Is this from heaven? Is this from the devil? Is this from my flesh? And so what you want to do is pray in the spirit a lot and um, sensitize yourself to know more whether this is the father or whether this is my flesh, my own imagination. Because imagination is powerful. It can create some dream that you think is from heaven and it's only your imagination and versus the devil too. And so that's very important. But I believe that there are people here who are going to be dreaming more for the rest of this month and into the new year. The prophetic is upon us. And so when the Lord gives you a dream that you know is from him, you need to write it down and you need to communicate that dream to whomever that dream is for. If it's about you, then it's about you. But the dream is a message to someone or for someone, you are to deliver that message. That's called faithfulness. Amen. When you don't deliver the dream that the Lord gives you for someone, if it is for someone, that is called unfaithfulness. And then what happens is the Lord will begin to decrease the dreams because you are not faithful. Amen? The Bible says when you are faithful over little, he'll make you what? Ruler over much. And so when you deliver the dream, it will increase. If you don't, it will decrease. Amen? Amen. So somebody say, I receive the grace for prophetic dreams. Amen. The Lord is good. Amen. And he loves to speak to his people. He is definitely a person who speaks to his people. All right. Um, we started a series last week with Pastor Patrick called Celebrate. Everybody say celebrate. celebrate. Come on, clap your hands and celebrate. Amen. We are an exciting church. And so I'm continuing. And I'm going to tell you my process. Um, what I do so you know how your pastor gets messages. Um, after preaching for so long, which I have been, over two decades, um, you can just pull a sermon from anywhere. I can just stand anywhere and preach. Put me in the desert, I can preach. <laughs> you know, you don't want to do that. You want to hear what the Lord is saying and deliver what we call fresh manna from bread. Anybody like stale bread? I don't think so. If you do, uh, see you later. <laughs> Something's not right with you now. But uh, we like fresh bread, hot bread, right? If you're a black American, you like fresh fries. Hot fries, right? Anybody know about that? <laughs> and so the same thing spiritually, you want fresh manna from heaven. So my process is this. I just say the Lord, I get a, the theme. Sometimes we didn't do themes, but recently I started with the theme stuff. And um, then I'll say, Lord, wh whether it's a theme or not, what do you want to say to your people? What are you saying? What's your, what's your flow, you know? And then we see God, and that's what I tell all these guys to do also. Um, I may give them, if we have a theme, then we'll go along a theme. But if we don't have a theme, I'll just say, see what the Lord is saying. 
to his people. And then we'll go from there, all right? And so I begin to ask the Lord, what do you want to say to your people? Keep asking that question over and over and over again <laughs> until he tells me. Sometimes he'll tell you in a dream. He'll tell you by the voice. Sometimes you just know on the inside. And so this week, I was um, seeking the Lord, and I just wait. I mean, I'm not going to try to make something, you know, because, again, you can just flow out of your spirit. So I um, woke up in the middle of the night. This happens a lot to us as preachers and stuff, um, probably to you too for prayer and stuff. But I was, you know, worshiping the Lord, spending some time with the Lord, and I began to talk to the Lord, talk to Jesus, thank God for the Holy Spirit, begin to emphasize my appreciation for the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned to the Lord, I said, oh, Jesus, I, I like when you said um, that the Holy Spirit would abide with you forever. And as I began to thank him for that and thank God for the Holy Spirit, it was like a, I don't know how to explain it. It's, revelation comes like a flash, like a bolt of lightning. And it's just like something supernatural. And just, phew, I just knew, ah. Oh, I knew the title, I knew the sermon, I knew everything. I was like, whoa, I started laughing. I said, man, God, you are incredible. I would have never thought of this. I mean, a split second, it's that fast. And so the Lord said, you're gonna, this is your title, Celebrating Forever. Amen. And you're going to talk about the forever principle, the principle that I revealed to you in 2012. 2012, the Lord gave me a revelation of the, what I called the forever principle. And he um, supernaturally let me see. I mean, you can read the Bible forever, and unless the Lord brings something to you, you won't get revelation. And so one day, 2012, he showed me the word forever. He said, I want you to look at the word forever throughout the whole Bible. Look how much is in there, especially in the New Testament also. Mind-blowing. So open your Bibles to me to this scripture, John 14, and we're going to celebrate forever. <laughs> Somebody shout forever. forever. Hallelujah. John 14. Now, um, you know that in, um, this is after the Lord's Supper, or really at the Lord's Supper when he was Talking to disciples after they finished eating, he, got, he talked to them a lot about things. And uh, one of the things he discussed with them was the Father, which we'll get into in a minute. But he talked to them about the Holy Spirit a lot at this Last Supper. And um, in verse 15, he says, because sometimes it's good to know the, the, what's happening. So they're in a room, and he's sitting, and he's talking to his disciples. It's not like a big crowd. He just says, 12 and he says if you love me keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper um, the King James used the word comforter helper is actually even a better translation but comforter can apply too. he will give you another helper now that word another literally means one of the same kind now I'm just going to throw somebody else to you one of the same kind. Everybody say one, one. of the same kind. So it's not going to be a stranger to you. It's going to be someone just like me. It's going to be the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, 
who we also know as the Spirit of Christ, okay? That he may abide with you forever. That he may what? Abide with you forever, which means that right now he's not abiding with you forever. Why? Because I've not gone to the cross, I've not been resurrected, and he has not been sent by the Father. But I'm going to pray for this to happen. Now, we already know this was God's will because he prophesied it through the prophet Joel that there's coming a day I will pour my flesh, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Anybody remember that in the book of Joel? Okay, some of you don't know that, but it's in the book of Joel, which was one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. But isn't it interesting that though it was promised, somebody say, though it was promised, Jesus said, I have to pray. Isn't it interesting that though it's prophesied, Jesus said, I have to pray the Father. Which means that things are not automatic just because God promised it to you. God the Father has set up his kingdom that I want to be asked. I may promise it, but you have to ask me for it. Isn't it interesting? We see this in um, um, Solomon's kingdom when God, when he gets all this wisdom and all this money and then he gets into the temple and he prays the word and he says, as you promised my father and as he prays, the Bible says the glory of God fills the temple. It didn't fill the temple until he what? Prayed. Prayed. So do you understand why the devil doesn't want you to pray? Because he doesn't want you to have the manifest presence of God and he doesn't want you to have the promises of God manifesting in your life. This is why he wants you to keep you out of the word. So you won't even know what to pray. Prayer is more than thank you, Jesus. Amen. Prayer is more than God help me. Now, that's wonderful. You're a baby Christian or you're in an emergency situation. You say, God help me. There's some great deliverance. Beautiful. You know, in a car accident, we're not looking for um, 10, 10, 10 scriptures. If you see some car coming to you, you want to say, Jesus, yes, beautiful. But uh, that's not the only kind of praying. Amen. There's some real praying, some real seeking that comes from knowing the word. Hallelujah. So, believers, know the word. Amen. Get into your Bible. Stop letting the devil keep you from your Bible, making you fall asleep, making you do something else, suggesting TV, suggesting social media. Get into your word so you can pray and you can celebrate forever in your life. Amen. 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 So he said, I pray the Father. Back in the old days, the preacher would say, I feel my help coming on. And I feel my help coming on. He's been here. And this is glorious. Amen. Hallelujah. So he said that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, the spirit of what? Truth. truth. Verse 17, whom the world cannot receive. The Holy Spirit, the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. You have to get born again to get filled with the spirit. Amen. Amen. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. That's why they're going to laugh when you talk about you speaking in tongues. What? They don't, they don't understand. You shouldn't expect them to understand. These are spiritual matters. Okay? But you know him. For he dwells with you. In other words, you've been with me for three and a half years. You know the Holy Spirit. You've seen his activity. You've seen his power. You've seen his presence. For he dwells with you 
and will be what? In you. So he's not in you yet, but he's going to be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So now he's connecting the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit to himself. And he says, it's really my spirit coming into you. He says, it's going to look like I'm leaving you because I'm going to physically die, go to the cross, go to the cross, die, be buried, be resurrected, ascend to heaven. It's going to look like I left you. But no, we're going to send the spirit. And he's not going to just be with you. He's going to be inside of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Forever. Amen. <laughs> so once you get born again, there's never going to be a day or an age when the Holy Ghost say, oh, I've done my job. See you later. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the Father, the spirit of Christ lives in you forever. Amen. Hallelujah. He is eternal life itself. Amen. Ooh, thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus um, say this? He said this because he wanted to give something to disciples to celebrate and to bring them comfort. He wanted to do what? Give them something to celebrate and to give them comfort. They've been with him for three and a half years. They've been living with him, eating with him, sharing bathrooms with him, <laughs> just everything. And uh, food, uh, uh, maybe clothes. They've just been with Jesus. They've been like little children. These grown men are like little children among the savior of the world. That's why he called them little children. Because that's how he sort of, you're my kids. You're not just my partners and my brothers, though you are, you're also my kids. Um, so, he knew they would be upset at him leaving and going to the cross. He knew it would mess them up. So he said, I'm going to send someone to you. The father's going to send them to you and he's going to be another helper. So even though I'm physically going to be in heaven, he's going to come. Matter of fact, he won't come until I'm gone. And this gospel, this message, this kingdom that I've been establishing personally and through U12 and the 70, it's going to go bonkers <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is going to come down and he's going to be in everybody who believes now. So there's going to be a whole bunch of Jesuses walking around, not just one and 12 and 70. Isn't that powerful? So they're like, all right. So the first thing, write this down, that we're celebrating is the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit. And celebrating forever, I think it's going to be a two-part message today and next week, maybe three, I don't know, um, is the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit. That's number one. So the Holy Spirit is with you and he is in you forever. He's never going to depart from your spirit. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. Holy Put your right hand on your heart. The Holy Spirit. Marilyn Hickey style. Is with me and in me forever. Hallelujah. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. 
This is what your heavenly father wants you to hear today. So take it very seriously. Um, in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. This is Paul talking to this church, the Ephesian church, um, or the church at Ephesus. And he says, you trusted in Jesus after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In other words, you heard a sermon on being saved and you, you know, got saved. You believed in him in whom also having believed. Now he's trying to say, now, once you became born again, once you believe or you came down to the altar, once you said, Jesus, I receive you. He said, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were what? Sealed, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Now, I know a lot of you don't know what that verse 14 means. But who is the guarantee? That word guarantee comes from a Greek word that literally means down payment. He is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. So, what is this talking about? This is talking about the fact that when you got born again, you became God's purchased possession. Spirit, soul, and body. Amen? Amen. God has something for you that's going to change the trajectory of your eternity. He has something for you that's going to change the trajectory of your eternity. And that thing that he has for you is called a glorified body. Somebody say glorified body. Glorified body. So this body is not going to look different than what you look now. So you better work out. Get those muscles. Because you want a fat glorified body. Now I'm joking. Your glorified body is a body that will never die. Will never get sick. Will never have pain. Will never have broken bones. Will never have aches. It's going to be an invincible body. That's God's promise to you. He says that day is going to come. The Bible says how, is it going to, how, is, how it's going to happen. If you're alive, which you probably will not be. Some people think we are going to be, but I don't believe that. <laughs> Jesus is coming soon. But he ain't coming tomorrow. <laughs> Just want to let you know. He's not. Says, so, oh, you can't say that. He can come tomorrow. That's not what the Bible teaches. <laughs> the Bible never says he's coming tomorrow. The Bible says he's coming like a thief in the night. That's what the Bible says. You're not going to know the day nor the hour. But you know the signs of the times. And the signs of the times that he's coming soon, but not tomorrow. Hello. <laughs> so we don't. We say he's coming again like the Bible teaches we're supposed to do. But it's not going to be tomorrow. He says, when the gospel of this kingdom is preached to the whole world, then the end will come. He says, when you see wars and rumors of wars and all these things, famines and stuff, he says, that's not the fullness. That's the beginning of sorrows. That's the fullness of everything. All right. So when he comes, the Bible says, those who are alive, they're going to see him in the air. And they're going to be, this is what the Bible says, changed in the twinkling of an eye. You know what a twinkling of an eye is? Like less than a second. Psst, just like that. You won't, even, you, you won't even blink. And you're going to have a, a brand new body. That's it. The Bible says fashion like his. Jesus is in a glorified body. What does that mean? There's no blood in his body. His blood is on the mercy seat. He has a body of bones and flesh. And he lives by the power of God. His physical flesh. That's how your body is going to be. It's going to be young. 
No, no, if you like being old, sorry, you're going to be young, girl. <laughs> there ain't going to be no gray hairs. Ain't going to be no wrinkles. It's going to be better than Botox. Way better than plastic surgery. This is gonna be, you're going to look probably between 25 and 30 years old. Everybody, the whole world. No, okay, you, you look 10, you look 1,000 years old. No, none of that. Everybody's going to be one age. Isn't that glorious? Why is Pastor Fabian only one clapping? Everybody should be like, yeah, man. Why is that? Because God never intended for man to die. He never intended for you to get old. Aging is something that has come because of the fall of man. And God gives you promises with aging. I'll keep you healthy. I'll keep you. I'll give you a long life. But that was never the intention of the father. The intention is that you made in his image and likeness. Does God get old? Is God up in heaven with a gray beard? And gray long hair, like people think? No, he's not. He's young. Jesus is in heaven, 33 years old. He's the image of the Father. If Jesus was alive today, he would still look 33 years old. Because he doesn't age. Because there's no death in his body. If Jesus didn't die, and he was still alive today, I mean, here on the planet, he'd still be alive, he'd be here, he would still look 33 years old. That would be it. Powerful, right? So everybody who's dying in here, you want to die in here no more. <laughs> Praise God. Now, I used to teach something that I was wrong about. The Lord, Holy Spirit had to correct me. I watched too much Ghost. <laughs> Anybody ever seen the movie Ghost? Some of you are too young. Those of you who have seen Ghost, raise your hand. All us older ones. All right. <laughs> oh, you seen Ghost too? <laughs> with, with, with Whoopi Goldberg? So there's a scene, Patrick, what's his name again? Swayze. Patrick Swayze. What's his name in the movie? Anybody remember? I don't remember. But Patrick Swayze, um, um, there's a scene where, was it him or, or Whoopi? I think it was him. He walked through the door. Was it him? Yeah. yeah, him. He walked through the door. So I used to be teaching that, you know, there's a time when Jesus was resurrected. He appeared to the disciples. The Bible says he appeared and walked through the door. I used to preach. I used to hear some people preach. Oh, yeah, Jesus walked right through the door. Your glorified body is going to walk through the door. He's going to walk through solid objects. And the Lord showed me. That's not what I said. Read the word. I said, oh my God, I've been preaching this for this long. He said, yeah, but you, 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 you got it right now. The Bible didn't say that Jesus walked through the wall. It said that he appeared in the midst of them. So this is going to happen when you get a glorified body. You ready for this? You're going to be able to appear and disappear. Everybody's looking like, whoa. <laughs> Never heard that preach before, right? I know. You're going to be able to what? Appear and disappear. That's what Jesus did. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's a glorified body. Boom, you're going to be here, you're going to be there. You're going to travel at the speed of thought. Praise God. How do you know that? The Bible says your body will be fashioned like unto him. There's going to be a whole nother paradigm happening. So the Bible is letting us know there's some crazy Marvel type stuff coming. <laughs> and the guarantee is the Holy Ghost. That's why. Hello, my Southern Baptist people. If you can't believe in speaking in tongues, then I don't know how you believe in a heaven that you can't see. 
If you can't believe in speaking in tongues and signs and wonders and how somebody can have cancer and then disappear, I don't know how you're going to believe in a glorified body. You sound crazy. You can't believe in speaking in tongues, but you can believe in a big 10-foot angel, right? Okay. It doesn't make any sense. You should see that you're deceived. If we're going to go into a supernatural life, then we should believe in the supernatural right now. The whole planet is built over the supernatural. Yes. God said, let there be light. So there's a star and the stars and, and the sun and the moon because God just spoke something into existence. You believe in that, but you don't believe in speaking in tongues? Man, sit down. <laughs> you have the Holy Spirit. Forever. You've been sealed. The word sealed, write this down, means to stamp with a signet or private mark. For security or preservation, literally or figuratively, by implication, to keep secret, to attest, set a, set a, set to, seal upon, stop. I'll read it again so you can write it down, so you can feel smart, spiritually. The word seal means to stamp with a signet or private mark for security or preservation literally or figuratively, by implication to keep secrets to attest. So, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You've been marked by God. You have a stamp, a divine stamp is on you. If you're born again, if you receive Christ, a divine stamp is on you that you are the property of God. Amen. That you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That your body belongs to God. Your spirit belongs to God. Your soul belongs to God. You are literally his purchased possession. The Bible says we have not been purchased with silver and gold, but with what? The precious blood of Christ. And you've been sealed. You ever put, I mean, we don't really do this, but people put, envelopes i mean letters in a what envelope and what do they do they seal it you buy a card for someone you put some cash in it do you leave the envelope open no because somebody may steal it someone may take it it may fall out so what do you do what do you do you seal it now back in the days in the ancient times what they would do they would have these like like scrolls and then There'll be a signet, the king's signet, or somebody's signet sealing it so that it cannot be opened. If it was open, we knew that you tampered with something. You're not to tamper with what the king seals. Come on, somebody. The king sealed us. Hallelujah. We are not to be tampered with. Praise God. Paul then comes again and says in Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You were sealed, you were preserved, you're protected, you've been stamped until the day you get your glorified body. So I ask the question, why do you seal something? It's a very simple answer. Why do you seal something? So nobody can get to it. I love that. Who said it? Protection. Beautiful. 
So they know who it's from. That's good. Didn't even think about that. That one's good. Privacy. Privacy. Really good. Preservation. Really good. When there's, but there's a, a foundational reason why. Huh? Permanent. Permanent. That's good. Pastor Patrick gave it to us last week. Who was here last week? Raise your hand if you was here last week. What was his message last week? We ain't here just giving you messages and you forgetting. Go back to your notes and look. What was the title of his message? Celebrating what? Celebrating the what? The what? You steal something because that thing is of great value. So your sealing with the Holy Spirit is also the Holy Spirit saying that he values you. The Father values you. You mean a lot to the kingdom of God. Now, Satan doesn't want you to believe that. Other people, preachers, don't want you to believe that. Why? Because they can control you then. They can speak down to you and look, make you look like you're nothing. Like they're everything and you're nobody. You won't find that at Winter Church. Everybody is valuable in the sight of the Father. And the Holy Spirit living inside of you forever is the permanent picture of that. And that means then I can never lose my what? Value. Value. Jesus said to the disciples, this is before the Holy Spirit lived inside of them, before they were born again, he said this. He said, are you not more valuable than the what? Birds. So, therefore, he said, you shouldn't be worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and what you're going to wear. Your life should not be consumed with worry and concerns about natural things if you understand that you are valuable more valuable than the birds, more valuable than the flowers. He said, the, the flowers don't toil or spin. They just grow. They just are. When you recognize your value, <laughs> you'll just be. You won't struggle to prosper, struggle to be healed, struggle to thrive because you'll recognize I've been created the image of God I and his likeness. I'm valuable. I'm more valuable than birds and, and um, flowers start so to be thriving automatically. So there has to be a mind renewal that man, this thing is easy. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all you who what? Labor and are heavy laden. Don't know your value in the rat race. And I will give you what? Rest. rest. He's not just talking about spiritual rest. He's talking about rest from your worries financially, rest from your worries physically. I will give you rest. Because what? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hello, black people. So say goodbye to slavery. Dismiss all the slave sermons you heard. Then he laughs when I say that. He says, oh my God, that's so funny. Slave sermons. Yes, sermons that put you back into bondage. That tell you that your life is to be a life of trouble. That make it seem that your life in America shouldn't be because everybody else is suffering in the rest of the world. 
That's like saying, because the rest of the world is dying of cancer, you should die of cancer too. The rest of the world is drinking dirty water, you should drink dirty water too. That makes no sense. I don't know what it's called psychologically. There's a term for it, but um, the term I'll use is um, guilt. They, they, they use it when there's accidents and someone survived, another one other died. They call it survivor's guilt. Why did I live? So there's this demonic guilt put on people because they're doing well when others are not. That's not to happen. Renew your mind and realize God loves everybody. There's different reasons for different things. Just be focused on what you're supposed to be doing and receiving the blessing that God is giving you in your life. Amen. 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 Let me use, um, and I'm going to get back to this. Let me use Nigerians, for example. Now, people celebrate Nigerians, and I celebrate them too. They're really smart. Um, they're really wealthy as a people. Uh, they're all over. They spread. They're, they're, they're like Jews, spread everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of them because they believe in having kids, getting married and having kids. If you have no kids, you are, there's a problem. <laughs> but the wealth factor and the kind of education they obtain and the kind of jobs they get is incredible. But if you really study it, <laughs> Nigeria, in my lifetime, was under a dictatorship at one time. They didn't vote. They didn't have presidents. They had a dictatorship. That dictator would kill people. He would kill even preachers. The country went into, you know, this is back, maybe back to the 60s, even before that, went into revival. They became extremely spiritual. And that spirituality turned into education and prosperity. And so today, Nigerians... Not all of them, there's a lot of poor Nigerians. But a lot of them are thriving beyond other people when they were in the back of the line. You know why? Because they focused on their country and their spiritual lives, and now they are thriving. Amen. At one time, they looked up to Americans. Now, so many of them are passing Americans. Yeah. That's why... It's important for you to mind your business, <laughs> focus on your spiritual walk with God, and let him prosper you. Amen. And then instead of you admiring others, you'll be thriving with others. Amen. So if you have any kind of guilt for being blessed, guilt for having success, maybe some family members make you feel guilty because you're thriving educationally or you got a lot of money. If you, get rid of the guilt. Tyler Perry said, um, I saw a little interview of him. Somebody may have seen this. He said the first year of his success, he made a hundred and, uh, uh, he said 30,000. Because of my guilt, by the end of the year, I had given it all away. I had no money for taxes. Next year, I made, I think he said, $2 million. He said, and again, because of my guilt, I gave it away to my family and friends. At the end of the year, I had nothing, not even money for the taxes. He said, the third year, I made $7 million. By the end of the year, I had nothing, 
Because of my guilt, I gave it away to my family and friends. I didn't even have the money for the taxes. After the third year, he woke up. <laughs> Don't let your success be driven to the ground because of guilt. Because somebody else is not making it. Don't let your well-being, you got a beautiful family, you feel bad because the other person don't got nothing. Don't, don't do that. Amen. Celebrate what God is doing in your life. Amen. Somebody say, I celebrate what God is doing in my life. Why don't you go ahead and take a minute to lift your hands and say, Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Tell them what you're thankful for. Your kids, your wife, your money, your job, your career, your education, your home, your properties, whatever it is. Thank him for it. Your healing, your deliverance. Maybe somebody else didn't get healed, but you did. That's not your business. Just rejoice on what the Father has done for you. Thank you, Lord. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. We rejoice in you, Father, for what you have done. We are thankful. We celebrate your goodness in our lives. Hallelujah. Someone say, celebrate. Somebody say, you mean everything. Look at them and say, neighbor, you mean everything to the Father. Doesn't that feel good? Somebody say, I have a lot to celebrate. Amen. Talking about the permanent presence of the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Galatians chapter 4. This is this last scripture. And then this thing, this scripture is going to segue us into the second point. Galatians 4. Six to seven. And because, somebody say, and because. And because. Are you there with me? Yes. You are sons. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. The word Abba is an Aramaic word that just means father. So it literally reads, crying out, Father, Father, or Daddy, Daddy. Verse 7, therefore, you are no longer, you are what? No Everybody shout it out loud. No What's the next word? No longer a slave, no longer a what? But a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. God sent his spirit into your heart. This is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That comes, he comes upon you. This is for every born-again believer. As soon as you said, Jesus, I receive as my Savior. Jesus, save me from, from my sins. Whatever prayer of salvation you prayed, however you prayed it, and you received Jesus, instantly the Spirit of God came inside of you. 
all of your sins were washed away, but the presence of God came into your spirit. This is why the admonitions to live holy is so strong. Because you're not just a Christian because you go to church. If I threw you in somewhere in some Congo desert <laughs> or put you in Russia or put you in Alaska, put you with the seals, you're still going to be a born again child of God with the Holy Ghost living inside of you. Your angel will still be with you. That's why when they put John, when they tried to kill the apostle John, they couldn't kill him. They threw him on the island of Patmos. They banished him to an island. That didn't stop him from having visions and dreams. The Holy Ghost still lived inside of him. You can banish me all you want to. Boom, I'm going to see something that's going to rock the world and write about it. Called the book of Revelation. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. It ain't going to stop me from being in the spirit. I see the Son of God. I heard the voice of many waters. I've seen an innumerable amount of angels. I see the Father on the throne. I see the Lamb of God. And he saw event after event after event. He saw the end of time. When he saw the new heaven and new earth, that banishment didn't stop him. And it didn't stop the Holy Spirit from moving inside of him. Amen. What are you trying to tell us, Pastor Maurice? Outside circumstances doesn't change who you are. Amen. And the presence of God that lives inside of you. A bill shows up. So freaking what? And I add freaking on purpose. So what? Is not the Spirit of God inside of you? Is not the God of all flesh living inside of you? Does he not know how to get money to you? Hello? Does he not know how to change your circumstance? Is he a deaf and dumb and blind God? So, believer, don't act, <laughs> believe, that's good. Don't act like a victim when you're a victor. Don't act like someone who doesn't have God living inside of them when he literally lives inside of you by his spirit. And he's going to live inside of you because you feel his presence in church. Because you feel goosebumps. Because you cried in his glorious presence. He lives inside of you when you feel nothing. Not living inside of you when you had a dream or a vision. He lives inside of you when you're eating IHOP. <laughs> if you eat that. Because I sure don't. With that bacon, turkey bacon is mad cheap now. Yeah, y'all know they changed the ingredients. Deuces. Pancake flour tastes like some kind of cardboard crap, man. Get this stuff in. You better go to the pantry, bro. <laughs> Those of you who know the pantry, you know what I'm talking about. Now, here's my second point of celebration. Oh, man. 
God is your father forever. You can shout about that. Some of you get the tissues ready. We're going to go a little deeper today. Let's go. God is your what? Okay. I'm going to go straight into it. There's a lot of people in our society, many of you in this church, members who are not here today, who should be here, who have experienced what is called the father's wound. There's a mother's wound, but we're not going to talk about that today. The father's wound. It's a new term being used. What you used to hear a lot is someone with what? Daddy issues. But they've elevated the term to father's wound. If you really look at (laughs) the Bible from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation to the end of Revelation, it's a long journey back to the Father. That's all it is. A long journey back to the Father. When Jesus came, all he did was preach, teach, and heal. But in his preaching and teaching, and his healing, he was expressing the Father's love for his people. That's what he would always say, your Father, your Heavenly Father, our Father. He never said Yahweh. He never said Jehovah. He never said Elohim. He said Father. Because the assignment was to introduce the fatherhood of God to Israel. Because they didn't know him as father, they knew him as Lord God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who gave the law. The God of Moses. Strict. Mess up, you're done. Jesus is like, mm-mm. You got a misunderstanding. I'm going to fix that. And he spent three and a half years fixing that. The Bible says that those who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And that light was Jesus. He said, I'm the light of the world. And one of the things he did was that he dealt with the father's wound. From a spiritual point of view, Israel thinking God is one way when he's another way. And then also the physical point of view. Many of them had bad fathers. Some of you, some of your friends, some of your family members have had very bad experiences with their father. And that has not gone unseen by the father. That's why when Jesus came, he said, the spirit of the Lord has has upon me The spirit of the father is upon me because he, the father, people sometimes read that and say, oh, the Holy Spirit anointed him. The Holy Spirit didn't anoint him. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Hello? (laughs) Sorry, I get a little carried away because I like things to be very accurate. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of Jehovah, the spirit of the father 
is upon me because he, the Father, has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. The recovery of sight to the blind. Here we go. To heal the brokenhearted. Jesus healed brokenhearted people. He didn't just heal people of physical infirmities. He healed people with broken hearts. The ones who were abandoned by their parents. The ones who were mistreated by their parents. You think there was only abuse in the 21st century or the 20th century? There was abuse back then. Probably a thousand times worse. And he would heal those broken up people. People who had broken relationships, broken marriages. People who had been abused sexually. You think there was no sexual abuse back then? You think no girls were raped back then? No boys were molested back then? Absolutely. Why do you think so many, so, many, so many of these kids had demons in them? Parents were practicing the occult or parents doing bad things to them or someone did something bad that caused them to entertain demons. And there was no church. There was no Sunday school. There was no elder speaking in tongues who could pray for you or some mother in the church who could pray for you and cast demons out of you. No, you were left into darkness. And the religious leaders were all about themselves, making their money, trying to look good, long gowns and stuff. What? Dude, what? So the Bible says when Jesus came teaching, the people were astonished at his teaching. Because even the simple task of teaching the law, the word, the, the religious leaders had no power, no authority. They weren't spending time with the Lord. So here comes the great prophet, the great king, the great savior of the world. And he healed brokenhearted people. He healed the father's wound. Why? Is their father's womb. Number one, absence. Father wounds happen when the father is not there. We've experienced that a lot in the black community. Thank God it's changing, but there's still a lot of wounded people from absentee fathers. Second one, here we go, neglect, which means that you're there, but you're not there. You're not emotionally available. You're not doing anything for me. Neglect. Third one, abuse. Fortunately, there are fathers who abuse their children mentally, physically, and regrettably sexually. How that is, I don't know. It's just demons. Sexually abusing their children. Joyce Meyer, we talk about that a lot, is a classic case of that. Fathers mentally oppressing their kid, emotionally detached, many times because they themselves were abused or had a father who was not there for them. So guess what? The curse continues. Somebody has to wake up and realize there's a curse that's going. If you told me you was abused by your parents, 99.9% of the time they were abused themselves. So we said what? Absenteeism, neglect, abuse. Here's another one. Control. You got some crazy fathers out there who want to control their kids. So they manipulate them. They dominate over them. No freedom. 
and they're messed up, father wound. And then there's another one that I wrote down. This one is big, withholding. Withholding love, blessings, and or affirmation. I told one father one time, I was in a car with him, I said, your son is about to go to college. You need to tell him how much you love him. He was silent. He didn't do it. Today, that father and his son have a very broken relationship. One time I had a dream about this man right here, Avi, and his firstborn son. The dream gave him an instruction. He obeyed the instruction. Today, him and his son have a good relationship. Do you see the difference? And this story, the, the first story I told you, that was a firstborn son. This story is a firstborn son. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And rebellion is the rest of the verse, like the sin of witchcraft. God is always looking to restore. He's always looking to prevent a father's wound or to heal one that's there. If you don't listen, the curse continues. If you listen, the blessing comes. So now when his son has children, his son doesn't have a father wound. His son doesn't have, can't say, my father wasn't there. My father didn't love me. My father didn't talk to me. He's talked a lot. <laughs> He's loved a lot. His sons won't have a father wound. So now there's no curse or the curse of the father wound continuing with, with his bloodline. Makita, we're not talking about it, but Makita is really into her kids. <laughs> they will not leave their home with a mother wound. Now there's the regular, oh my goodness, why are you getting on me? Oh, why are you bothering me? That's just regular parent kid stuff. But they'll never be able to say, my mother neglected me. My mother never cooked for me. My, never, my, my mother was never there for me. She was too busy uh, with her career. She was too busy with this. She was too busy with that. They'll never be able to say that. They use her car. <laughs> they ask her for money. <laughs> they eat her food. Her, the the, the, the uh, Avi Makita sacrificed and sent their kids to South Africa with a group of people. They never went to South Africa. But they wanted their kids to experience that. It was going like for a week. Yeah, two weeks. That, that's a lot of money. I look at them like, you're crazy. But hey, that's your kids. Do what you want to do, girl. Man, do what you want to do. There's no father wound. There may be a little misunderstandings here. That, that's easy to fix. There's no father wound. The little girls won't have a mother wound. Won't have a father wound. Daddy's here. Daddy's at our events. Daddy's doing this. 
So if you're a father, make sure you're there for your children. If a wound has been created, it happens. This is life. Fix it. By the grace of God. Now there's some fathers I don't have access to, so I can't tell them. It's unfortunate. So if you have a father who is not under my leadership or not listening to the Lord to fix it with your with their kid, then you yourself have got to do some work eternally with God the Father. Some of you need to go to therapy. A Christian therapist in particular who deals with the father wound. There are, there are specific um, therapists that deal with the father wound. Some of you, all of you actually, all of us, whether we go to therapists or not, we need to look to God the Father and rec recognize that he's our forever father and receive his love, his acceptance, amen. amen. His what? Love, his acceptance, his blessings, his affirmation, and his promise, watch this, to never leave you nor forsake you. We quote it, but it's something you have to actually get into your soul. That your daddy said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, listen, some of us are super brats. Very rebellious. Hello, somebody. <laughs> I mean, nasty attitudes, crazy people in the earth. But we got born again, and the father is saying, they're still mine. Amen. That's still my daughter. That's still my son. I will never leave you. I will never forsake God, I really messed up. I know, and I wanted to punch you in your face. I really did. My angel was ready with that sword drawn it. Knock you down. Done with you. But I promise that I would never leave you nor forsake you. And I'm not making that promise reluctantly. I'm really into you. Amen. That's what the Father is saying to you. I'm really into you. And I love you. Watch this. And we're going to talk about that some other time. I love you with an everlasting love. My love for you never ends. Some of you... Y'all been sinning over and over and over again. And there is a point of judgment. But even his judgment, God's not saying I don't love you. I just got to deal with you a little bit more harshly now. But my love for you remains the same. I will always forgive you. But you might have to get a few lashes <laughs> if you don't repent. <coughs> Behold the goodness and the severity of God. Severe doesn't mean I don't love you. Severe means you're not listening, so I got to smack you a little bit. <laughs> All right? Is that right, parents? Sometimes you're a little severe with your kids. The smart thing to do if you have to punish them in a more severe way, you need to tell them, I'm not doing this because I don't love you. I love you. You know, back in the day, they would say this. This is going to hurt me more than it hurt You know what I want to say. Oh, black Americans said that. Black Americans. This is going to hurt me. You're Haitian. They're like, no, this is going to hurt you. 
Those Caribbean parents weren't playing. Yeah, that, that. No, but it's true. I don't remember my mother saying that, but there are parents who did say that. Oh my gosh, man, they were throwing shoot. Never mind. <laughs> Get the belt. Oh my gosh. Praise God. If you're a father in here or you're a mother, but in particular, turn to fathers, don't withhold blessing your children. If you withhold it because you think they're not going to respect you, because I heard some father say that, you are playing into the devil's hands. God gives us grace after grace after grace. We disrespect him, grace after grace. He doesn't say, oh, well, because you don't respect me, I'm going to give you grace. That's not what the Bible teaches. Even when we dishonor him, he still blesses us. He speaks words of blessing over us. Words of, I've prophesied to people that I know are living in sin. And that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit loving them through me. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. You're going to be amazing. That's what God the Father does. I've prophesied to people living in rebellion. God's still speaking to their future, speaking to their identity. Because that's what the Father does. Someone say, thank you, Father. You need to grow intimate with your father. I'm on this intimacy thing with the father. I'm like, oh, Father God. Jesus came to restore us back to who? The father. Now, we have a relationship with Jesus, but he didn't come to restore us back to him. He came to restore us back to the who? Father. The one who what? Sent him. You have a good daddy. The devil wants you to think he's not good. He is super good. Some of you may be struggling with some things. That has nothing to do with God. God is for you. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be healed. You see people with deformities. That's not God. That's the devil. But there's a, bigger, there's a bigger picture to this that people don't understand. We don't have time to go into it. Sometimes the devil gets access to people because of the parents. God holds the parents responsible. Listen, think about this. This whole world is jacked up because of Adam and Eve. Did God do it? They made their own choices. And God redeemed them because of their wrong choices, but they made the choice. And God will do as much as he can to help you to fix the wrong you may have done. But at the end of the day, you are living out your choices. What you have to do is repent and say, Lord, I messed up. I'm ready to follow you now. And it's better to do it sooner than later. And if you think, let me, let me, let me just say this real quick. I've been saying for a long time. Somebody say a long time. long time. I've done good. I've done bad. I've done bad. I've done good. We all have. <laughs> the devil will just try to deceive you to think the sin that you are playing with is fun. And the Bible says it is fun, but it's a deception. I mean, if you could see in the realm of the spirit, the devil is looking at you laughing and like you, you're killing yourself. 
but God is there trying to help you move away from the deception. But always know any addiction, any kind of sin is always purpose is to lead you to death, to mess you up. The devil paints a wonderful picture of sin and then tries to make this real cornball picture of righteousness. And sometimes you fall for it. One of the ways he does it is through people. He finds the most religious person, speaks in tongues, and they're weird, but they're weird acting. And they're broke. They look crazy. They say, that's what you want? And of course we know the answer is no. But he won't find you, the tongue talker, who's a millionaire, who's worshiping Jesus and on the Riviera in the summertime. Why? Because he, gonna, he knows you want that. So let me kind of block them from that. Don't be fooled by the devil. He won't show you the teenager who's loving Jesus and having a good time, who's controlling their sexual drive and loving their life. And their future is so bright, by the time they're 22, 23, they're going to be married, having all kinds of sex because they did it right. Don't be fooled by the devil. He's tricking a lot of people. Don't be one of those he's tricking. And if you are in a deception, if you are being tricked, the Father's hand is to you. Come on, let's go. Let's get out of that deception. I, listen, I'm not just living holy just because I'm Maurice Johnson. I had to go through a process of understanding, of sanctification, of understanding where the devil is trying to trick you. Time to celebrate <laughs> that God is your father forever. He's not withholding anything from you. Let me give you a few scriptures and then we're going to go home. 2 Corinthians 6.18. And right before this, he says, come out from among them and be separate and I will receive you. The father is receiving you. And then he says this in verse 18, 2 Corinthians 6, 18. I will be a father to you and you, yeah, sorry, 2 Corinthians 6, 18. You can put 17 in there. I just quoted 17. But 18 is what I want to read to you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to thrive or prosper. He's saying you don't have to go crazy to get stuff if I'm with you. I have all the stuff. The whole world is mine. What are you going crazy for? <laughs> I know. That was good. That was funny. What are you going crazy for? Ask me for a portion of wisdom that will bring you great wealth. It's not a big deal for me. Do you really think it's a big deal for God to give you $10 million? Like, oh, that's a big project. He's beyond a billionaire. He's beyond a trillionaire. He is unlimited wealth. We use unlimited, with that term unlimited wealth, but there's nobody with unlimited wealth but God. Because he's spirit. You know what spirit means? I don't need a physical thing. 
I don't need a car. I don't need a chair. I don't need clothes. I don't need shoes. So material things are nothing. It is something I created for you guys to enjoy. So why would I keep $10 million from you? Preachers say that, oh, you, you're not ready. God, 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 God wants to trust you, but he can't trust you yet. All nonsense. Because Jesus said, y'all can't outdo God in goodness. He said to some people, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, come on somebody, come on somebody, how much, what? How, what? Say it loud, everybody. Say it for the people who don't read the Bible. How much more will your heavenly father give good things to those that ask him? There's no such thing as a sinner being better to you than God. Better to their children than God is his own children. So what has, what has to happen? There has to be a mind renewal. And say, Lord, listen, you're good. I trust you to help me. And he will help you. That's what Makita did. She gave a testimony two weeks ago. My husband's about to go on a trip. Trip was paid for, but they needed some extra money. They're about to get their checks. But I'd like to have some money before I go. Because I want my $2,000 back. And you know how Makita talks. You know, Father, you know, it's really not a big deal. It's not a real big deal to you. Y'all need to get some lessons from Makita. Probably get some more stuff. It's not really a big deal to you, God. You know, I know you love me. Listen. She got that money. I almost slipped and said how much it was. <laughs> Thank God. I caught myself. Because she wasn't real to you. But it was a lot. And then when she came back from the trip, she had, a lot, she had something left over. Now, you know when a black woman spends money and it's left over? Oh, it's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. You been to Louis Vuitton? <laughs> You're good. God bless you. Amen. You have to become like a child to inherit. You have to be just real with the Lord. Now, God, you know I haven't been faithful to you. But I still would like you to bless me. That touches the heart of God. Your sincere prayer. Lord, I know I could do better. But could you just help me out? I don't want to have a terrible Christmas. Can I have a good Christmas? And the Lord will say, yes. And he will bless you in a surprising way. Praise God. But you have to be sincere in your prayer. And then here you go. You have to watch your words. Some of you are undoing your blessings through your negative words. Amen. I've been saying since November, I'm going to have a great Christmas. Amen. Guess what? It's been happening. Amen. It's been happening. Amen. It's been happening. Amen. It's been happening. Amen. You have what you say. Amen. And I'm still saying it because it's 21. There's still more days left. It is a great Christmas. It's going to get better and better. The next two weeks are going to be fantastic. Amen. One of the things I said, I'm going to buy all the gifts I want to buy. I'm going to have all the money I want to have. And when the year ends, I'm going to have money in my bank. Amen. So far, we're on the trajectory for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Dele sent me that $1,000, those of you who know the story, um, well, how long ago was that? Two weeks ago? Was it two weeks ago? Three weeks ago? Yeah. His wife had a dream. 
and said, I saw you give Pastor Maurice $1,000. He says, well, we actually need the money, but I, I, ev- this is what he said. Evidently, Pastor Maurice has put a demand on God. And he sent me the money. I sure did. I gave this money and this money and this money that I could have saved. You say you want to multiply it. I need to see some multiplication up in here. And he came through. There's other things that was going on that he started to fix. He will always do it. If you believe that he's faithful. If you trust him. Amen. He's a good, good father. Anybody here sings? Anybody sings? Ain't no singer. Martin, I heard you sing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's just get our phones out. Let's stand to our feet. We're done. We're going to sing. I felt the temper of my spirit, just like that. Good, good father.